0: Okay, we'll encourage people to make your way back. Now this, this portion of the program is going to be Devoted to questions and answers. And there is a microphone floating around. And we're going to ask people, please, here's a microphone. Please wait for the mic to reach you before you ask your question. I mean, you're free to ask your question. As they say, it's a free country. But if we can't hear you, we won't be able to answer. So please wait for the mic to arrive. And uh, anyone, the first person to mention the name Donald Trump has to put $5 in the kitty. <laughs> There's a price. There's a price for mentioning that name.
1: I think I owe you $5. <laughs> um, the, it's, a, it's a difficult question that I have because I don't want to sound rude and I don't want to sound, say it in the wrong way, but I'll try um, I, you give me a chance to practice patience, that's fine, I appreciate that. <laughs> the, you spoke about the kanji character with the heart being stabbed. And often that character is described as being a very large character, the capability to take whatever comes at it, whatever's thrown at that, the, the person, you know. Because the point of the paramis are being able to help other people. So. Often in Buddhism, you know, the, the, the emphasis is on an awakening in some way or sitting on a cushion, but in the world, whether we like it or not, people do suffer. At the moment, that man I can't mention is creating a situation where we could have an atomic war. Um, in Burma... Am I prescient or what? <laughs> in Burma, the Rohingya are being brutalized by Buddhists, you know. People do genuinely suffer. Um, In your tradition, I know there's an emphasis on helping, not just self-development, but actually helping the other person and and trying to use that skillfully. I wondered if you would talk about that, please.
0: Yeah, thank you. Um, So (coughs) there's there's so many many doors branching off of your question that I just have to pick one to walk through. Um, it's not easy being an American these days, and by extension, you know, being a citizen who pays attention, no matter what passport you hold, um, when you see people willfully creating harm and thinking, how do you justify? being so selfish and what it forces you to do is to expand your understanding of what it means to be a human i mean those selfish people are still humans you know and the uh, the last eight years we were blessed with uh, someone who seemed to be relatively more awake than the previous administration where we had a a vice president whom people said was operating from a reptile, reptilian brain, which is uh, just all it knows is protection and strike, you know. So some of the mischief and theft that was, that happened in, for example, the second Iraq war, completely legal, you know, boggles the mind probably the during the just you know we're not doing politics understand but during the uh, the Bush two, um Bush jr during his eight years is probably the largest transfer of wealth from the many to the few that the country had ever seen and it was done you know uh, legally so you think how is that okay how do you justify and all you can do is say well there's more here than meets the eye so if i were to reflect on myself what what is the appropriate what's the right thing to do as someone who as you say strives to wake up what's what's right what's the right thing to do when you see injustice something that is simply not right not just how do you respond that that counts that works you know, um, I was in college when Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated, and then Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, and and uh, we had a, uh, I was I went to undergraduate school near Detroit in Michigan, and the Black Panthers were in Oakland, California. And we were thrilled at the idea of self-defense. The Black Panthers Party for Self-Defense was the name. People remember, I don't know if anybody's old enough, maybe I'm one of the oldest people in the room here. Eldridge Cleaver and H. Rap Brown and Bobby Seale. And, and uh, so we, my college friends and I, formed the, uh, the Black Panthers Rear Guard in Michigan because the idea was, when Dr. King was assassinated, that... Uh, there was going to be a backlash coming, boiling out of Detroit to uh, out to the campuses. And this is all, you know, our youthful testosterone looking for an outlet. Um, and that, that's not the whole story. It was also genuine grief and fear, all these mixture of emotions and pretty much zero wisdom at, at work. That was my first awareness. Uh, there's a photograph of me with my beard and my long hair holding a sign marching to Pontiac, Michigan, uh, saying, you know, kill the pig, bash her in. No, no. That was uh, that's, that's, um, the wrong novel. What was it? It, was, it was off the pig. It wasn't kill the pig. And when I look at that photograph and I think, yeah, I can see that, but I'm so glad that nobody was armed back then. And I'm so glad that nobody stood in our way. There were only photographers, you know, taking pictures of these young, passionate college students. So my point of telling that anecdote is how many marches can you... How many times can you march? How many signs can you hold? How many fists can you shake until... You realize the futility of emotion compared to looking deep at the source of the problem in this tradition in let's even in Buddhism and we need to say Mahayana Theravada in, in the tradition that talks about the Bodhisattva path the notion is that first thing you do is you say hui guang fan zhao. You look within. You, you introspect. You look within. To find out the source of the pain. Where is the affliction? And almost always, it's either greed, or it's anger, or it's delusion, or pride, or doubt. But the, the three basic kalisha will, will be the knot. That's the knot that prevents you from seeing the true roots of the problem. And so if I see, let's, let's fast forward now to 2017, when I see uh, people saying uh, 200, how many now? 20 million Americans have health care since the last eight years, and the government is actively conspiring yet again. By the way, today's headlines, wait, there's another bill heading to the floor to repeal Obamacare. This will be attempt number 56. right? So here are people actively hoping to remove life-healing medicines from sick people. I think, okay, that strikes me as unfair, should not happen. Where is the knot in my mind that prevents me from seeing the same mind in that person that can make that right for them to do? If I can go deep enough in myself and heal my own greed, anger, and delusion, because there is a fundamental connection between all human beings, further between all sentient beings, that's, a, that's kind of a statement of faith, that the same earth, air, fire, and water that makes up my body makes up their bodies. Looking back at ancestors, looking forward to generations to come the same, and the invisible parts inside that earth, air, fire, and water that makes up the rupa skanda, this first skanda, there is something that is even more the same. Now, from our perspective, we call it the Buddha nature, All right, whatever name you give it. That's the same. And yet, the one over there is knotted up, and we can take health care away from sick people. And my wish is to extend health care to make it something similar to the British system, or the Canadian system, or the Australian system, not what we have in America, which is a broken system. So what, how do I do it? Back to your question. What do you do in order to help, to make, to make it better for more people? The fundamental principle is by making, by understanding it myself, I will help the greater understanding, because there's no split between me and them. By, they say, 自教教他, 自度讀他, ta right? You wake yourself up, and by doing that, you're waking others up. You benefit yourself, and by doing that, you benefit others. You take yourself across, and by doing that, you take others across. Okay? So that's the formula, that's the principle. So there's three things, waking up, being of benefit, helping, and taking across. That is to say, taking you out of the confusion of suffering all right, to a place beyond confusion where you're clear. So those are kind of the principles that, that we work from. And it doesn't mean you don't march. It doesn't mean you don't speak out when something's wrong. But if you only march, if you only speak out, And it's hard versus hard. I'm going to convince you with my anger that you're wrong, and you should agree with me because I'm frustrated. Totally futile. Probably adding to the problem, right? And so, thank goodness, I'm not 18 anymore, marching on, you know, to Pontiac, Michigan, off the pig. Um, But at the same time, what am I doing that that helps? I'm doing this. I'm reciting the patience mantra a lot. That's no joke. Anger, is there ever righteous anger? Would be a question. And I'm split on that one. Uh, Sometimes you just can't help it. You know, when you see selfishness, willful selfishness, you think that that man that we were talking about who shall not be named, right? He grew up in a world where maybe he didn't witness existential suffering how could he be the recipient of a thousand lawsuits from defaulting on a thousand contractors if he understood suffering you know those are men and women who go home to feed their children just like you do you know and he doesn't pay them because he deliberately finds a fault with their with their work and so he gets sued and he sues back that's wrong you know but somehow in his mind, that's the right. So can I feel his confusion? Can I heal his his knot in his nature somewhere? I'd hope so. Because if I can't take that man across, how can I possibly take across somebody who's lost their human body, currently in the realm of the animals, currently a hungry ghost, a preta, currently a, a hell being? you know? And a bodhisattva's heart has to expand to include... All those realms of being. We have in our tradition earth treasury Bodhisattva, Kshidagarbha Bodhisattva. And he lives in the hells. That's his address. That's his neighborhood. And his vow is, only when the hells are empty will I become a Buddha. Only when all beings reach nirvana will I myself realize Bodhi. So he's, he's this is, we call him earth treasury, Dizang Bodhisattva, Kshidagarbha. And... Uh, his, they say he has the greatest vows of all bodhisattvas. Now here's somebody whose you know, neighborhood is full of Donald Trump's, you know, and worse. And what does he say? He says, only after the hells are empty will I become a Buddha. In other words, he's going to stay there and bring everybody up to take a cross, to, to cross them over, until they're humans. But that's half the vow. The second half says, only when beings are taken across entirely in other words till they leave suffering will he stop will he reach bodhi so he's got two two fronts where he's operating he's pulling hell beings up to the human realm and bringing humans to buddhahood that's when his vows end and he's a tenth stage bodhisattva we were talking about the eighth stage just now so that's noble you know that's a noble thought so why should we worry so much about republican white American men. You know, what about the animals that get killed and eaten by the billions and billions and billions for people's dinner table? You know, that's a lot of suffering. So, it's, you know, you, you expand your categories and you're helping. Simply by refusing to get angry, you're helping. By refusing to be greedy and sharing more, you're helping. By refusing to follow delusion, and using wisdom, you're helping. So that's a little bit of balm on the wound. But it's still, some days it's just hard to get out of bed. You know? does, that, does that make sense? Or do you want to come back on that? Did I get close to it? or?
1: No, basically, what you were saying was um, the Lotus Sutra, that you bow to the Buddha within all beings. In one sentence, you did it, really.
0: Very nice, thank you. All right. Pleasure. Could you explain something like a middle way being practiced um, Mahayana? How is the middle way practiced in the Mahayana? Yes. Okay. The middle way is a moving target. Okay, there's no fixed middle way and this is too much and that's too little. Um, For example, if you're a monastic, suppose you leave home. uh, We eat once a day, no breakfast, no dinner, right? And some people look at us and go, oh, God, that's so bitter. That's, That's so unbalanced. That's so extreme. You know, clearly not the middle way. And so, yeah, it's, you know, health-wise is probably not, not the best way to eat. Doctors would probably say a little bit regularly instead of a lot once. It is quote, better for your health according to some definition. All right. But it's a sliding scale. There's no fixed, set middle. We, uh, and, and uh, let's expand it. Let's say the bhikkhus here and the bhikkhunis and the anagarikas, they... Stop at noon. They they include another meal, but it's a simple meal in the morning, right? From the point of view of many Mahayana monks and nuns who eat four, five, six, seven meals a day, right? The the Theravada are very bitter, very extreme. You know, no dinner. Okay, so sliding scale, and so the reason why the we stop eating at noon is because the Buddha recommended it. That was the Buddha's description of a righteous way to eat so that your chemical factory is not so busy when you're meditating. Right? If you don't eat past noon, or if, you're, if you eat you know, a cup of soy milk or something at, at dinner, when you meditate in the evening and then the next morning, your meditation is very serene. Because you're not you know, doing that. So it's a trade-off. So as I say, it's a sliding scale because the middle way suddenly has a new component to it, which is, I really like to meditate, and I want to meditate serenely so that I can calm my six senses quickly, you know So that's a trade-off. From the point of view of the marketplace,, oh, look at those losers. You know, Look at what they don't eat. all that stuff they don't eat, you know. And we add no onions, no garlic, extremists, you know, and from the point of view of the monastics, it's like, yeah, well, is this what a loser does i'm I'm all there, you know yeah I'm happy to be a loser, you know, so you have to define your terms, middle way, but in general, uh the middle way is i don't think the Mahayana and the Theravada are too different um, you have to. Figure out your perspective. So, what does the marketplace do? The marketplace says, um, "I'm going to make a movie. Hollywood makes a movie of somebody who, in the course of an hour and a half, kills, steals, lust, lies, lies, and uses intoxicants. You know, and we call them 007. You know, <laughs> James Bond, kiss, kiss, bang, bang. You know, two broken precepts right there. You know." <laughs> So, and we celebrate this hero, you know, he's here. I read every Ian Fleming book before I was 18 years old, you know. Now they're Ian Fleming 2.0, they're f- fabricating Ian Fleming. And uh, so the marketplace would tell me that this is the middle, you know, and I grew up thinking that that was a good way to be a man kiss, kiss, bang, bang, you know. It's like so. Those are warped values from the point of view of humane, kind, compassionate human beings. As defined by who? By the Hebrew scriptures, thou shalt not. Right? As defined by the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, who says, don't kill, don't steal, don't lust, don't lie. In Hinduism, no drink either. Right? By who? By the Holy Quran. The Quran is mostly an ethical text, and it talks about those very same definitions of a, of a person who is unrighteous, someone who kills, steals, lusts, lies, and drugs. So here we have the founders of the world's, you know, enduring religions who all agree on that fundamental definition of what it means to be a human being. The marketplace doesn't agree. Right? What does the marketplace give us? Shaft. No one understands him but his baby. Right? So who's a Shaft, you know, Richard Roundtree. He was in this was in the seventies and he was the first black super spy. And you know great films. I mean, no doubt. They're, they're tremendous stories but the masculinity that it gives us is a marketplace masculinity of somebody who is so afflicted that only his baby knows, you know, he doesn't understand himself, he can't reflect, but she knows him and, and he's bang, 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 you know. So it's like, you know, there's the middle. No, that's the marketplace middle and it's a sliding scale. So, here we are in this room and if you, you know, the, the Bhante's led us in the Five Precepts today. One of the reasons you come to Amaravati on a Sunday is to be able to say, Anate-mani-veramani-sikapadam-samadhyami, right? And how good that feels to say, I take my stand here. I think I can live very well without taking life. I can live very well without taking what is not given. I thrive on not being promiscuous and not being adulterous. You know, I thrive on the truth, on integrity, and sobriety and wisdom. You know, these are values that I can hold on to, put my roots down here. I stand on those fundamental precepts and I'm rooted in wisdom. Furthermore, they're practical. Anytime you go to meditate with those as your foundation, your mind finds the middle right away. So, you know, it's a sliding scale. And there are middles and middles, right? But the Buddha's middle way is a way of ahimsa, harmlessness, no harm. And the five precepts, if you compare them to ahimsa, to this notion of not harming, you realize, true, no killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, lies, and intoxicants are harmless to self and others. So, we we need a new middle, right? The marketplace and the way place, Bodhimanda, you know, the the Aranya here. If if those two middles coincided and could could, if those two needles met, we'd have a better world. So, I have a story that actually. Uh, again, from that bowing pilgrimage, uh, I was bowing through Los Angeles in a place called Beverly Hills, where there's a lot of uh, wealth in Beverly Hills. And wherever there's lots of wealth, there's lots of, of police. And uh, Sunday morning, I was doing tai chi outside the car with my other, my monk companion. And uh, the police come up and did a loudspeaker on the roof. All right, put your hands on the car. You know, <laughs> like, you know okay you know the guy gets out oh oh it's you guys oh it's the monks oh forget it at ease that's all right no that's okay we've been watching you guys you're really interesting what do you you know like you you know the arts right He's said you know, yeah we know you taiji harmless you know and he says yeah and you're vegetarian you do all this powered by vegetables he said that's amazing yeah and uh you know, I've been waiting. Me and Lovick over here. This is Officer Johnson. Johnson and Lovick. So, he says, "We, what are you doing it for? What are you doing this for?" And we know you're regular guys. But what are you doing this for? And so, Hung uh, uh, Chao, uh, who was a PhD in history from University of Wisconsin, he's no, he can handle debate. So he says, "Yeah, well, we're we're basically doing your work." He said, "What do you mean by that?" The police. And he says, Yeah, except we're doing it from the inside out. What you guys are doing is like putting a band-aid on a cancer. He said, What are you talking about? He says. He says, Well, here's what we're doing. He says, You see the outside, but on the inside, you know, we're not killing, stealing, no sexual misconduct, no lies, no intoxicants. That's how we live. The guy said, what? tell me those again, says the policeman. No killing, what? No stealing, sexual misconduct, lies, intoxicants. The officer says, you know, if everybody we met all day long lived by those rules, we'd be out of a job. <laughs> so, so Marty says, yeah, he said, we, we work before the laws are broken. You guys are putting a band-aid on a cancer, you know. So he says, yeah, that's great. And he put his palms together. He said, And the police, and he goes, my wife bake you these cookies, he said. So the police made an offering of cookies. So, so that's the new middle that we need. Imagine if we could realign the middle away from, from shaft and in like flint. Remember James Colburn, flint? I, that was my canon growing up. How do you define your masculinity? You become what you behold. So if we can have more bhantes, more bhikkhus available for people to behold and more wholesome, vigorous people to just to, to say when the opportunity arises no no I don't do that you you want to go first it's yours we go you know I'll be patient by the way I'll have this mantra I want to teach you this monk out there told me uh, patience patience got you know pass it on you know then we'll have a new middle all right This may have to be the last question. My answers are too long. I'm sorry about that.
1: Uh, Reverend, Shi.
0: <laughs> um, this is a simple question. Shi HANG Shi. Shi. This is a
1: simple questions.
0: Um, you mentioned
1: about you um have this six year silence. Um what do you do after your six years of silence? Do you prepare anything when you start to talk? Would you like to share your experience? Because the moment you start to talk, people how people react to you and what you, what you, what you find is really um, benefit
0: yourself. Okay, sure, sure. And then we, we should stop at four. Is that right? That's the, the plan. Okay, great. So thank you for the questions about silence. And... Uh, Silence is a is a wonderful practice, um, recommended for monastic and lay alike. But set up your conditions. Uh, if you if you decide that you're going to be silent and you haven't informed your partner, you know, you, you may find yourself not only not silent but arguing. You know, so uh, if you decide you want to practice, try an afternoon. You know, and then you have to turn your phone off and and uh, set up the conditions. But um, what I discovered, I, the as I began my pilgrimage, uh, Master Hua encouraged me because of my habit, true and real, my habit of stretching the truth and adding vinegar and salt to every story. Um, he said that the other monk will do the talking and if, and if, if I can keep silent, in many ways, it'll be as important, if not more important personally, than the bowing, that the bowing be completed. So, um, my mouth stopped talking, but my mind kept talking for about a year into the pilgrimage. The You know, it's what could be more natural, mind moves, mouth opens. It's one of the gifts of humanity, is this... Multiplicity of languages. And I was a language person. I was always a skinny kid. I couldn't fight much. And so I talked my way out of fights and take away my weapon, you know, and you've got maximum affliction potential. So it was hard to just... and have the thoughts jump as always. But what I discovered, and this is the answer to your question, what I discovered after... um, after about... uh, year of practicing silence, was that I have crooked wiring inside. Apparently, I've done this a long time, maybe lifetimes. And so, most people, you know, impulse to speak, speak, right? My wiring goes, um, it goes left and then up, and left is check to see who's listening, To determine what I say. If I can score points with this powerful individual, what comes out is not what originated, but what got twisted to for maximum effect. If it's a cute girl and I want to impress her, you know, and I'm on stage and I can come off like my father is from French Canada. My father's a Quebecois from Sherbrooke, Quebec. And so I grew up where? Toledo, Ohio. Small town, you know, and there's, you don't score any points by being from Toledo. So I see this, you know, cute girl in student council, and I go over and, hello, uh, I am from Quebec, and uh, I would like to talk about the meeting agenda, you know. Oh, you're from far away, you're interesting, you know. Uh, like, no, I'm not, I'm from Toledo, man, you know. <laughs> like, who wants to be from Toledo? So that's phony, and I would... Like that. It took about a year to recognize that that crooked wiring. And to say that even, you know, six years of watching that happen changed it. No, it didn't. But now I get the alarm. It says ding, ding, ding. Phony. Tell the truth. So coming out of, there was no magic. There was no, you know, people say, what was the first thing you said? You know? Nothing special, but I did promise. Uh, I said to myself, "I'm every word is going to be Buddha Dharma," you know. And uh, so I was pretty stiff, pretty pretty unpleasant to be around for about a year. Uh, I would, you know, and I what I discovered was a huge percentage of the words that leave my mouth are popcorn. If you analyze any sentence, give yourself twenty minutes. uh, Talk on the phone, for example. uh, You'll discover that there's a whole bunch of filler. Oh no, kidding! Oh, son of a gun! Yeah. Oh no way! Oh my God! Well, that's just weird. Yeah. Huh. Uh huh. Okay. Mm, No, 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 no. Come on. You're kidding me, right? Yeah. You know, right? It's like. In Japanese is that way, right There's, Japanese has a whole category of language called keigo, which is polite talk and in, J- in Japan, you can have a fifteen minute conversation and it 's all scripted you know' called <laughs> on and on, not a word, not a word you know of any meaning. so what I promised myself was that my words were going to carry the mail. They were going to carry freight, or I wasn't going to say them. And if that freight could be Buddha Dharma, you know. So, bit by bit by bit, I relaxed that and realized that I was actually... The point of language is what? To communicate. It's a gift. There is a heaven. There's a heaven in the, the desire heaven. It's called the Suyama heaven, Tien, where the devas Communicate via light. There's no words needed. They, they under They're so in, empathetic. They're so uh, tuned into each other that they don't need language. They go, do away with the symbols, you know. So they just use light, and how wonderful! But we need language. So I started to relax, and uh, I would call my mother every week, and uh, you know, and boy, when you're talking to your mom after. Not talking for six years, my poor mother. And uh, so I'm promised to speak nothing but Dharma, and I'm talking to my mother on the phone, right? And she's like, mm hmm, yes, well, all right, it's nice to hear from you. Uh, Call me next week. Mm -hmm." (laughs) And I'm like, yes, mother, you know. And so after about two years of that, one day she said, you know, it's so nice to finally get to talk to you. I'm just glad that not every word has to be dharma. <laughs> so I I guess at that point I was back to normal. But so that's the answer to your question and it's not it wasn't dramatic. I wish I had some, you know, magical truth that I could spout, but I think I still need wisdom before that'll happen. So someday All right. Well, let me say to you, it's been a pleasure and and a rare opportunity to be able to sit here where Master Hua has sat, where Ajahn Semedo has sat, and so many Venerable Ajahn Chah, and so many uh, noble monks and nuns have have graced this hall. And uh, I look forward to every opportunity to be here. I'd like to invite you all to California, to the city of 10,000 Buddhas. Not, not all at once, but when, as, when you can come, please do take a look. In the meantime, I'd like to let you know about Dharma Realm Buddhist University, DRBU, which is uh, one of Master Hua's projects, uh, his vision. for He was a, a classroom teacher and an educator his whole life. And uh, he said this is how the Sangha is going to grow, is by uh, bringing people in to learn about themselves, to learn about their minds, to learn about the world and the connection between self as, as practitioner, as a Buddhist, and the world around you. That there's if you study to the point where there's no difference between your wish to wake up, the Bodhi resolve, and the world around you, then you're on the path. So, Dharma Realm Buddhist University is about to be—knock on wood—accredited. Right? We're candidates in the Western Association of Schools and Colleges (WASC), the same accrediting agency that accredits Stanford and UC Berkeley and Caltech and and the uh, all the state universities. So. Um, it's, uh, they're coming in November, ah, and with that last inspection, if all goes well, everything is crossed, every joint and knuckle, um, we will be accredited. And we can issue visas and our diplomas count. So it's been a long road, but Dharma realm Buddhist university has a very interesting pedagogy and an approach to Buddha's wisdom. We are now teaching uh, major focuses in Sanskrit, and we have our sights on Pali in the future. So it wouldn't take much to offer training in Pali at the university level. We have it's a four-year uh, BA and a master's program, and uh, our nuns are uh, we're we're about to get back on the bus and go back to London. But um, maybe we can exchange cards and uh, addresses if you'd like to know more. In the meantime, drbu.org. Dharmaralm Buddhist University.org, which, if all goes well, will soon become DRBU.edu, uh, which is the the uh, the title for universities. So that's our our wish. And it's uh, it's what gets me most excited about what's going on in inside of our community is the energy of the university, Dharma realm Buddhist University. So uh, please do check out the the website drbu.edu, and uh, monastics both teach and study, and we have some professors and students of DRBU here in our delegation, so on both sides of the aisle. So, anyway, please do check that out. And uh, again, um, we're delighted to have this deeper connection with Amravati and and uh, Chithurst and and Harnham, and uh, who's in the south? Hartridge, Hartridge. yeah. And then uh, all around the world. I spend part of my year in Queensland, in the Gold Coast. We have a monastery called Gold Coast Dharma Realm. And uh, should anybody be coming through Oz, um, come down and look us up. I'd love to, to pour you some tea and give you a tour. We've got... Uh, uh, kookaburras and wallabies and rainbow lorikeets and brush turkeys and bushy-tailed possums and and uh, we're teaching them all to meditate. <laughs> Getting a kookaburra to meditate is a challenge. You know, <laughs> every morning and evening they have to let go and you know, so it's great down there. So um, anyway, lots of places, lots of chances to to cross paths again, and look forward to our next visit. Could I encourage everybody to bring your palms together? And uh, we who know this tune will transfer the merit. And please make a wish uh, to minds touch in space. There's no place where minds stop and don't touch. So use that connection to send out goodness. Um, This is very similar to, May the goodness that arises from my practice and by this act of sharing May all desires and attachments quickly cease, right? This is the same idea. It's the dedication of merit. So we, we can we'll share it with you. Here we go. May every living being Our minds as one and radiant with light Share the fruits of peace With hearts of goodness, luminous and bright if people hear and see how hands and hearts can find in giving unity. May our minds awake to great compassion, wisdom, and to joy. May kindness find reward May all who sorrow leave their grief and pain. May this boundless light break the darkness of their endless night. Because our hearts are one, this world of pain turns into paradise. May all become compassionate, and wise. May all become compassionate and wise. Now, I'm going to go around and bow three times, and maybe you can.